0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders, learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is such an important topic, managing difficult people. My expert today is a rock star in the mortgage banking business. Bill Bent is joining us to share his wisdom. Bill is Executive Vice President of Loan Simple's retail production. Prior to that, he's with Academy Mortgage, Waterfield Financial. He also has his own coaching business called Awake Coaching. Hi, Bill. Thank you, Pat. I'm
1: very excited to be a part of it today.
0: Well, this is a hot topic for sure and a very difficult topic for individuals about managing difficult people. But before we jump into that, let's kind of talk about how did you get into managing
1: Sure, Pat. When when we make our decisions in, from a career perspective, a lot of it depends on our age and how we view issues in life. And so when I was younger, I was just a recent college grad. I at first started in an at I was in a management fast track program, and I learned quickly that a large corporate environment uh, wasn't of my interest. It seemed too political, too internal focused, and advancements coming mainly from um, what camp you're a part of, leadership camp. So when I shifted, said I want to be more entrepreneurial, I also had that money focus in that time in my life. I wanted more money, I wanted nicer material items. So I said to myself, you know, I really need to, now that I've learned the mortgage industry, I'll jump into that, I'll get three years of sales experience, and then I'll get three years of sales management experience, and then I'll just run off and do my own company because then I'll have abundance of money and nice, nice stuff. Well, through that process, that's how I got into management. It's kind of funny because of course, now I would look at it so different. And, uh, and, but it was a good trail.
0: Well, that's a, That's an interesting comment about it and really probably pretty true for a lot of people. So when you look back at all these years, and you've managed really obviously for a long time, what was the best advice you ever really heard on the
1: topic? I think the best advice was really as I continued to learn leadership, I continued to learn management tied in with leadership. I developed the understanding of the human mind, how people think, their thought patterns, Mm -hmm. and then in turn, how their behavior is so correlated to their thought patterns. And so much of this is based upon ego and viewing the lens of life through ego. So it really put me into a better position in helping people optimize their performance, Mm -hmm. but optimize it so that they felt significant in that, and they really felt purposeful. So a secret sauce was they developed a clear life purpose for themselves and really applied their skill sets in a purposeful way.
0: So were there any books that were important to you? And I know you've written your own. Uh, Talk about that for a little bit.
1: I've read many leadership books and to, if I had to single one out, it's not a pure leadership book though. It was a book, um, on the con on the um, principle of consciousness. Uh-huh. And the book was power versus force by Dr. David Hawkins uh-huh. and he illustrated top leaders, professionals from the view of consciousness, And that was my biggest wow, reading that, because it really shifted on how I applied leadership, both professionally, but also how I helped the company become better at synthesizing or connecting as one, purely from this one book.
0: Wow, that's terrific. I have to read that book. So why don't you talk about the practice that you keep coming back, and I know that you've been at entrepreneurial firms. You've now, you've also been at certainly more mature firms. Talk about kind of what is that practice that you use over and over again?
1: So as I um, decided to uh, re-engage on a full-time basis in the mortgage industry in a leadership role, I really looked at myself from a skill set perspective. What are the Um, What aspects of skill set do I enjoy and I'm good at? Well, I've always had a very good background in being very analytical and a good logical skill set. But then also, I've really developed high EQ. And with that being said, really how to help people from a motivational and desire to apply the best of their sales skills and influence skills and so I just felt that it was part of what I should do, um, if you will, my calling uh-huh. on applying that analytical logical along with helping that the sales really optimize their, their abilities into things. And, and it's really fun to be back full time in the business. But you know, like everything in life, um, every one of us, we always have various things to work through and and my journey was interesting to get to this point. So nothing but uh, a great position to be in the point that I'm at, helping the people I, I am.
0: Well, that's terrific. So now let's talk about managing difficult people. Give your view on it, and and talk about kind of how you handled, because certainly in any company, but also in mortgage banking, there is this issue of maybe top producers being prima donnas and Mm -hmm. all of those types of stereotypes that you really do hear about them. So how do you address that?
1: I think always focusing first on foundational issues is a good place to start. So I think always revisiting really what is my or any other leader's definition of a difficult person mm-hmm. and and then really start to understand why are they that way why are they why do they take on issues and problems from the perspective that they do what's really the drive that makes them different and and in turn what's really the drive that causes that attitude issue that when it shows up So through my own um, leadership development process, I really learned that people are patterns. And when I say patterns, there's an element of our DNA from our generational patterns, but also how we're brought up in our upbringing, the parenting style that we're brought up in, but also our family dynamics, including our birth orders, and then also our life experiences And we interpret these things, and we create our own patterns. And when I say our own patterns, I'm really talking about our identity, who we see ourselves at. I'm talking about um, our strengths and weaknesses, or how we go about doing things. And then also, I'm talking about the actual applying of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so really, it's that who, how, what of that pattern. And we create our own glass ceiling of Mm -hmm. where we're going to go. And what our opportunities are, are look like, and if you introduce um, those more challenging, difficult people, but um, into that concept and provide the opportunity to say, do you choose, do you desire to to alter your patterns, you can really then get them into uh, really rewiring their their brain, their mindset, if you will, altering mm-hmm. their thought patterns. The core of this really gets down to judgment, but everything that we point a finger at and say, this person this has this or that, what we're really talking about is our internal, our intrinsic, and mm-hmm. then in turn we apply it extrinsically. And so that judgment, really the, the root of it is self-judgment, but then we judge others. Right. And in turn, it's high ego-based, and through this process, you can help people more frequently get into the flow state. And at the flow state, they're gonna be at their highest level. They're gonna do some amazing things, but it's a process. People aren't just born into it and they have to be willing to work on it and break and break their patterns. If you're not gonna have that dynamic in dealing with very difficult people, there comes a time to gracefully show them the exit door because they can be disruptive on continuing to nurture and develop the team. Because when it all gets gets said and done, we are all one. That disruptive, difficult person is creating patterns among the whole team. And it's uh, having influence on issues. And if we're not able to get it to break patterns and optimize, there there comes that day where um, moving on is probably in everyone's best interest.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. But I'm interested in when you talked about everyone having a personal glass ceiling, I think that's such a terrific comment. But talk a little bit more about that because it's so true. Yeah,
1: yeah I think it gets back into the patterns. And so I'm going to go into a few deeper things then with this. Mm-hmm. So first, um when I talk about this, this is going to be lower energy or lower consciousness, basically. So many people operate and communicate based upon their own internal fear. They may also, based upon emotions of hurt or I need, mm-hmm. they, they apply things from that need perspective. And if you can help somebody understand that better, and even on fear, a great way to explain fear false evidence appearing real and if you can get people to buy into these different concepts, you will basically um, get them to want to connect better, connect better to the company's team, connect better to to their partners out in the marketplace and um, borrowers and so there's um, some basic communication things that you can help an, a person embrace, and one's going to be the listening skills. So, from a listening perspective, there's really three levels of listening. One is very subjective, and you're really hearing and applying what you're hearing to your own life.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: other is objective, where you're really listening well and you're hearing about what they're saying, and really applying it more from their from their life perspective but the best listening is really intuitive listening. And intuitive listening, the simple way to do that is what are the words, what are the thoughts that aren't being shared that are deep within that individual or that team that you're talking with because those are within the tea leaves. And if you can figure out what those are, um, what you can then do is acknowledge and validate what you hear, but then ask an open-ended, empowering question. And that question could be more triggered around that intuitive listening and what core things are really blocking them from moving forward or getting in a better position. And as you train people on that, it's very powerful and it allows people to see things from outside of their little vision dimensions that they'll create out of their own thought patterns. And so, but again, these things aren't a light switch. They, they don't turn off and on. Right. And it's very developmental with people and it all starts in with buy-in because once you buy in and you have a belief about something, you're well on your way to right. um, changing.
0: So, Bill, when you look at it for the managers that say, well, gee, that's not my job, you know, this sounds like a lot of work and and so on and so forth, what's kind of
1: your answer to that? I think it all starts with, again, um, what are the questions to ask? And so when somebody talks about it's not my job or, or this or that, I would really start with, one, acknowledging and validating. I heard you say it's not your job. Is that correct? Uh-huh. And you say, sure, because once you do that, you're getting in the step, one step towards your way as you're taking one step their way. Uh-huh. And then in turn, as you mention that, tell me why you don't um, see that as your job. Is there any any emotions that you feel triggered when you state that and why? And then be quiet and then let them. Let them reflect some on it. You're basically asking them to say, I hear what you're saying. Now let's go deeper. You're allowing them to self-coach themselves right. all through questioning.
0: Right. So in a practical sense, uh, what you're talking about, let's say when you're interviewing managers now to come into your your sales team, how do you identify where these issues are? And then obviously this leads to this issue. Do you set a process for how you want managing difficult people to look like, or is it just left up to the individual managers?
1: Yeah, great question. So first, there are tools that really allow you to identify characteristics and traits Mm -hmm. and skill sets that are best for whatever role you're going to bring a person on board. Certainly in the management role, gets much more complex than the sales role mm-hmm. and um, and I'm going to do a little promotion for you Pat. You did an amazing job on your manager assessment both from a selection standpoint but from a development perspective and I've used it with many top loan officers that had that desire to go into management and every single one has said, oh my gosh, this The results off this assessment nail me exactly and now I understand what I really need to work on to be that optimal manager and once again you have that desire and you have some tools to help in that process you're well on your way uh, from that standpoint but also it, it makes it clear to help people to understand that sometimes that leadership role of management isn't best for them um, it won't allow them to optimize their talents and skill sets because they're not, they're just not developed to be that, to be in that role. And so, um, and sometimes that can be an, a little bit of an ego blow for people. But, but when you have a good process like that, um, on a whole, most people are going to respect it and do well with it. And then in turn, the scalability, as you mentioned, how to do this in a, company that has 20 managers is pretty easy, but if you want to have a company with 200 sales managers or 300 sales managers or whatever number, you really have to build a scalable model. And so there's things I'm doing at Loan Simple right now that I don't need to candidly for the size we are, but I'm really putting them in place as models that allow the company down the road, if it occurs, to really scale and not just rely on individuals one-off to learn these management tools and skills on their own, but truly have a scalable platform that those tools and approach are out there for all. So what
0: does that look like when you're putting those types of things in place? What would you suggest the listeners today should think about as far as the process is concerned?
1: Yeah, so example, something I just recently launched, it's just a simply monthly reporting on, efficiency metrics, also on profitability, on margins. And that is um, putting together a set of monthly reports that I have an admin person doing. But where I'm gonna go with it is get it all automated within a reporting system. So that way it's done without admin support and help. And then also it can be real time. Um, versus what we're doing. But this model, if I had 200 managers now working here, um, and I do have the administrative support to continue doing it the way I'm doing, but it creates more of a plug and play to use in coaching, mentoring, and managing people. And so that you know, that's just one example. Now, do I need to do that right now for the size we are? No, I don't. But I see the advantage of creating a system and then that system can help the masses as we grow in their leadership skills and management skills with, within the company.
0: Well, that's, that is a lot and certainly terrific comments. And we're down to the last few minutes, and I wonder if you could maybe summarize for our listeners, what would your takeaways be for today?
1: My takeaways for today, number one, realize we're all unique. We all have our own in, internal or intrinsics and, and recognize how we view issues isn't isn't um, always the same as people. So as you deepen and understand your own thought patterns, you can then in turn influence and help other people. I think the one secret sauce I didn't mention during this is helping people um Build and develop, but also for yourself, high gratitude. Because if you see things from a high gratitude perspective, you're going to be less into negative energy, less combative. And that simple tool by itself is going to elevate your ability to see issues that you don't see right now. That that secret sauce of gratitude. Last piece, Pat, sorry, a little lengthy. Last piece is anything and everything, try to systematize, try to make, automate it. But the secret sauce of the production industries, the mortgage industry, certainly is people. And we can't automate people. We can automate systems to support people, but we don't automate people. And so learning your own intrinsics and people and applying that, you'll have a a brilliant, beautiful future. And I want to
0: let our listeners know, look forward to our next podcast, but I want to thank Bill Uh, for spending some time with us today. It was terrific.
1: Thank you, Pat. It was a lot of fun.